Hey there, mamas. You are listening to Magnolia Birth Stories, where we are passionate about helping mamas get their best possible birth. I am Emily Bettenker. I am a birth coach and doula, and I am so often hearing moms say that they wish they had known X about labor, or they wish they had been more prepared for Y, or they wish they knew how common Z was. One of the best ways to help mamas from the start is by helping them get educated, helping them understand what real birth is like. So that's what we do here on Magnolia Birth Stories, and I am so grateful for our special guest today, Becca. Hey, Becca. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing good. Um, So real quick, you you do pelvic floor physical therapy, correct? Yes. So for all of our listeners, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. So I, if you follow Pelvic Floor Mama on Instagram primarily, however, all the platforms, um, there is education out there for what you can do to help combat pregnancy pain, prepare for labor, understand the role of your pelvic floor and why it's so important during pregnancy, labor, birth, and postpartum. And the whole point of me creating Pelvic Floor Mama was to give prevention and preparation for you to understand what you can do to avoid things like incontinence and prolapse and pain, um, diastasis recti, all of those things. Um, so if you want to check it out, you can always send me messages on there too. Um, I love, just like Emily, I love helping mamas and uh, just kind of get a better experience and have a better experience within their own body. So... Yes, which is amazing. If you follow her stuff, you know how great she is and how helpful she is. And I feel like that is an important piece and has been for me as well, um, is prevention and preparation. And um, just comparing my second birth, which I did not prepare for, compared to my third birth that I did prepare for, um, made a really huge difference. My third birth was my largest baby and somehow still my easiest birth. Um, And it's just from all that preparation. So it really, really does make a difference. So Becca is a great go-to for that. Thank you. Okay. So you have two babies. Can you tell me about them? I do. I have a son. His name's Cal. He is three years old. Um, And then I have our daughter named Thea, and she is almost a year and a half. So sweet. And are they um, keeping your hands full? Oh, always. Always something (laughs) new. (laughs) I love it. Those are really sweet ages. I feel like those are fun ages for sure. They are. It's fun to watch just how different they are (laughs) and all like how they learn. So like just everything's so different, but it's fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's crazy how the same two people can make such different kids. Yes. Like polar opposites. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So let's start with Cal, your oldest. Do you remember the day you found out you were pregnant with him? I did. So backstory, we lost our first pregnancy. Um, and the due date with my first pregnancy was December 2nd and we, I don't know, it was just a very, I mean, if anyone suffered a loss or infertility, it's just hard mentally. Um, so it kind of consumed me like all, all summer, all fall. I kind of didn't think I, at that point I was like, okay, like, I'm just going to let it go. 
and whatnot. And I was late and I looked at my husband and it was November 30th. It was like the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And I was like, should I wait and take a test on December 2nd, which is the due date with our, with what was our angel baby? Or do I take a test now? And he looked at me and he goes, if it's negative and you take a test on the second, you, you're not going to be good. You're not going to be okay. He's like, so just go take a test. So I did. And I didn't even have time to like sit there. It just was positive, like immediately. And I remember walking down the stairs into our basement, just like shocked, like, is this happening? And then also I didn't want to be too excited because it was like nerve wracking. Um, so we, and I was on my way out to a lunch with some girlfriends. So I was like, we hugged and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to be late. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so then we went out, um, and then his ultrasound, which was to kind of confirm a heart rate or heartbeat and make sure things were okay was on Friday the 13th. So I remember being like, oh my gosh, Friday the 13th. And I had told my cousin because she's like my sister. And so I was like, this is happening. And she's like, don't you know Friday the 13th? Like, good luck for our family. And I don't know if she fed me some like baloney stories or what, but she <laughs> she had me believing Friday the 13th was a good day. And then we we had a heartbeat. We had a healthy baby. He stayed with us. He's clearly here with us now too. Um, and so now I'm like, Friday the 13th is a great day. Like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> Oh, that was your sister-in-law that told you that? That was my cousin. Your cousin. We grew up together. We're both basically only – my cousin's sister is 14 years younger. Um, So my cousin and I, like, we grew up as, like, sisters. Okay, that is a good cousin. Yeah, it was great. Man, telling you that. I did not know about your loss. I am sorry about that. Thank you. Um, I am very grateful for your angel baby. Yes. for your rainbow baby. Yes. Yes. Um, so you found out you had your ultrasound on lucky Friday the 13th. That's right. <laughs> and then how did the rest of your pregnancy go? Um, well, COVID hits. Oh, that's. Oof. I don't remember like 18 weeks, I think. Okay. We were actually on a cruise. Like our ship was supposed to dock. And it got pulled off. Like we were supposed to dock in like Fort Lauderdale. It got pulled off the coast in Miami for like a day while they tested a crew member um, to see if they were positive or not. And then we finally were able to dock. We got off the boat at like 1 a.m. We were supposed to get off at like 8 a.m. And no ships went out after that. So that was like the start of everything. Wow. I was supposed to go to work that Monday, but we were traveling still home. So I went to work on Tuesday and then Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, things hit the fan and people knew I went on a cruise. And so I treat patients. And so they started not coming because they heard I was on a, they knew I was on a cruise and like everything came out about COVID and like, it was a scary time for everybody. So that was an emotional time for me. Um, and then my ultrasound got moved when we were supposed to do the anatomy scan and like make sure everything was good because I was on a cruise. Um, so they had to postpone that, which was, it was at the time it was frustrating, but I, I mean, I get it. Um, and we were supposed to have like a gender reveal and it got canceled. <laughs> like every, you know, whoever went through something in 2020 had, whether it was a wedding, a bridal shower, a baby shower, like everything was on hold. So I just remember that part. And then, um, like two weeks later, because we are still considered, um, uh, necessity 
Um, so they kept us open, but they dropped mm-hmm. us down to like two providers and there's usually six of us in there. Um, so the rest of us went home until they called us back. And by mm-hmm. the time they called me back or were thinking about calling me back, I was like three or four weeks from my due date. And they're like, it makes no sense to bring you back just for you to leave for another three months. So I actually was able to stay home from 21 weeks until he was actually 14 or 15 weeks old when I returned to work. Wow. Um, so that was, that part was nice. Um, but it was definitely an interesting time, just like everyone else, you know, with COVID. My mom yeah. and I spent a ton of time together um, because she was working part-time and my husband was still like an essential worker. So he was actually working like two or three jobs because his family business was still open too. And they went from like 50 some employees to like 12. So he was working like all these extra jobs like to help everybody. Um, So my mom and I hung out because my dad was also, my dad and husband worked for the same company at the time. So they both were off busy. Um, So I just remember being, I don't know. It was a nice time to spend with my my mom. We saw each other like almost pretty much every single day. Um, And then that was kind of that. But um, different experience for sure. Yeah. I feel like that's a nice bonus. You know, if things are going to get canceled and postponed, then you should have some perks out of it. Yeah. So that part was really nice. Um, The downfall was it was my first baby. So like all birth classes were canceled. All like all of that stuff was canceled. I remember doing like a birth course via Zoom, but it was just like, I don't want to say just, but now that I know what I know now, it was just positions (laughs) and like Uh counter pressure. It was like nothing else. And like my husband and I didn't absorb any of that information. Like it just did not stick for either of us. Um, And I did stumble upon Trish, labor nurse mama, when I was pregnant with him, but it was towards the end. And so I didn't get quite all of the information she was putting out there. Um, so I ended up going in for an induction at like 41 weeks and two days. Okay. Um, okay. So tell me about how that conversation came about as you were getting close to your due date. What was kind of happening there? So I had midwives and truthfully, I, I, there's three midwives in the practice and you're supposed to see them all, but because of COVID, I really only saw one. Okay. And then I told her I wanted to see – the other one was stationed in New York for helping out and for things that were going on there. She actually was the one who came back and, like, was there when I had my baby. Okay. <laughs> but then the other one I only saw one or two times just to, like, put a face to the name. Um, but I was hitting – I think I hit 40 weeks or 39 weeks or something like that. And the one who I'd been seeing, like, every day was, like, as we're getting closer, like, are you going to – like she gave me an option, but there wasn't any education with the option, if that makes okay. sense. Right. She's like, um, we can do an induction at 41 weeks or we can do an induction at 42 weeks. It is your choice. And I'm like, well, what's what's the benefit? Like, yeah. is there? I didn't know what to ask either, but I was just like, right. what's why should I do 41 over 42? And the statistic she gave us was like some babies have, I don't remember what she said, but it was like. Not even, I don't even think it was a 1% chance. I think it was less than 1% or maybe it was less than 2 It was extremely low, which is why I was still like, I don't know, um, about something that could happen if you wait, if you went the full 42 weeks, essentially. Okay. Um, and so my husband and I kind of looked at each other and I'm like, I mean, I guess 41 and like, we'll just do it then. Um, thinking that he would come before then, being right. naive. 
Um, and so we said that I don't remember how the appointments went, but I remember they were supposed to call me on a Friday to go into the hospital and they didn't. And we were hanging out at my parents' house because we were like waiting and we had a dog. And so the dog, like we were dropping the dog off while we went to the hospital type of thing. Okay. And it ended up being like five thirty, six o'clock. And my parents are like, are you going to call? And I'm like, who the heck do I call? Like the office is closed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what do I do here? Yeah. And like my mom and stuff, not knowing anything either. Like um, she's like the hospital, maybe like a non-emergency line. So I did end up calling the hospital and I was like, I, I was supposed to be called to be induced. I don't know if I like need to like, it. W- I was super nonchalant about it. And they're like, well, we don't, we can call you in the middle of the night if you want. And I looked at my husband and he's like, heck no. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, I definitely don't want to be called in the middle of the night. And they're like, so we'll just call you tomorrow when we have like space basically. Okay. So they ended up like, I think waking me up on Saturday morning with a phone call saying like, hey, we have space in like two hours. So get your stuff together and get in here basically. So we did, and we told everybody we were heading to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, again, COVID, things were weird. And I kind of, this part was, in a way, was kind of nice, but not at the time. Um, the nurse took only me back and wouldn't let my husband come back. And I was like, what is happening? Why? And I just, like, started freaking out, like, internally freaking out. And the nurse sat me down and, like, gave me clothes to change into. And I'm like, why can't my husband be here? Like before I even change into the gown and stuff. And she's like, just get dressed and like, I'll come back and um, we can chat. And I was like, okay. So I like quickly got dressed and like climbed into bed. Like she told me to. And she's like, I just want to make sure you feel safe at home and that whoever is with you is like a safe person. And I was just like, you, you worked me up for that. (laughs) But it was great. Like if someone didn't feel safe Mm -hmm. and they were with somebody, I was like, that is actually like that is amazing. And I loved that. But at the time I was like, I, this is not okay with me. Like bring him in here. And so as soon as I said, like, he's like, yes, I feel safe. It's bring my husband to me. Um, she immediately went and grabbed him and he came in the room, but, um, it was definitely an interesting, it was interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it sounds good in theory, but maybe that wasn't the best way. Can you do it without freaking you out? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, maybe oh. send him for um, some ice or something after you get set up for yeah, like know. situated. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Huh. So. Well, good. I'm glad he was able to get there because I wasn't sure where you're going with that story. Yeah, I was like, I was freaking out. Oh. <laughs> so, um, but then they did the induction, and so I wasn't dilated at all. Um, so they okay. had to do cytotech. So they okay. inserted the cytotech for four hours. Felt nothing, was totally fine. Was like, okay, this is what we're doing. Um, but then I had what they called bonus contractions with Cytotech, which they did warn me about. So I was starting to contract, but it wasn't Great. like painful or, at the time or like anything like that. Great. And then I remember them letting me eat, I think right when they gave me the next dose of Cytotech because I needed to have another one. So they're like, you can eat because you have to stay 30 minutes in bed anyway because I was up moving. I had a ball. I was walking, but I couldn't leave the room either. So I was like stuck in the room. I couldn't like walk the halls or anything. Um, and so I ate. And then I just remember after that, my contractions intensified, but I wasn't dilating. <laughs> Go. Sorry. The dog is just being so annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they ended up doing the Foley bulb, which I knew that they were going to do. Um, so. <laughs> not my favorite thing. Not at all. Um, 
And with your first birth, like you are modest or like sometimes maybe even like grossed out about things, I guess. And so with the Foley bulb, it like, they like put it in and then they put the part and it like tapes to your leg. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, (laughs) and I was like, I would like drip blood on the floor from the Foley bulb, like out of the tube of the Foley bulb. So my husband is literally, he probably hates that I'm sharing this, but like literally cleaning up blood from the, from the ground because it was just like, he didn't want us to walk in it and like all these things. So he's like constantly mm-hmm. going back and forth and like trying to help me feel comfortable. And, like, it's fine. It's fine. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, I want this thing out of me. I want like, yeah. and I kept sitting on the toilet because that was the most comfortable. Um, and then they find like I, the Foley bulb was just not my thing. I was starting to have contractions like every 90 seconds and they were lasting a good 30 to 60 seconds and I only had like maybe 60 seconds between, like right. it was like this and I wasn't even at a four yet. So I was like mentally drained. Like I had no idea what was going on. Like I didn't know what to expect. Um, I didn't think labor was supposed to progress like that. Um, so then they, the Foley ball finally, like they were able to take the Foley ball out. Like they tugged, like they pulled gently on it and it just fell. So like, okay, you're far enough along. You're probably four centimeters whatnot. And then at like 4am, I remember just tapping out. I'm like, I need an epidural. I need an epidural now. This isn't working. Um, I remember trying the natural gas first because Mm -hmm. I really didn't want an epidural. I really wanted to just do it. And I just felt loopy and like I was out of control. And I, and I only had a couple of like puffs of it, but it, it did not help me. It just made me feel like I, like I saw the pain, but I felt like I couldn't like my headspace wasn't right. So I was like, this isn't it. Take it away. Like it's not working. And I was like, at, at this point, just give me an epidural. Um, the guy came in to give me an epidural and dropped everything all over the floor. <laughs> it was... That's that's a new one. I don't know that I've heard that one before. <laughs> the anesthesiologist dropped everything. Yeah. The anesthesiologist. Oh, <laughs> in the morning. Okay. Oh, I just remembered the look I gave my husband. He's like, you're doing great. You're doing great. Meanwhile, I'm having like contractions just like one after another. And let's get ready to have him put a giant needle in your back. Okay. Okay. So you had been in labor for like 22, 20 hours. No, not quite. I think at that time. Oh, actually closer. Yeah, actually. Because if you went in pretty like 16, early. 16, 18 hours, 16 or 18 okay. hours, something in there. Um, And then I was like, I'm done. Like, I, yeah. I can't do this. I'm all, I'm still only like a four. Like, I, I how much longer of this? And were uh, you in um, Pitocin as well? Or are you just, wow. So, like, that's what they called, like, the bonus contractions of the cytotech was, yeah. like, that just, like, ready. Okay. ramped everything up and was ready to go. Um. So it was, yes, did not have Pitocin, which is another story. My, the time when you go, so Cal was born in August and I don't know if this is like this for all hospitals or just the hospital here, but new residents and like new doc, like the new staff come in in July. Okay. And it's also COVID. Like, so they lost a lot of staff. They lost, you know, like all that was going on. I had like a brand new night nurse. And I would ask her a question and I work in the health field. 
So I was also very sympathetic and I am not criticizing her by any way, but a new mom and a new nurse do not go together. (laughs) So she, I like would ask her something and she'd just look at me like, you could just tell she had no clue what the answer was. And so I'd just be like, um, she's like, I'll be right back. So you could tell like, she's going to go ask somebody type of thing. And so I'm just like, okay. And then I remember just asking a few things and being like, it's okay. Like, don't worry about it. It's like, you don't need to ask. It's fine. Like, it's, I just wanted to know, but it's not a big deal or like whatever. And then finally I was just like, oh my, this is just not, this is not a good situation. But I finally got my epidural. He finally did it. It was terrifying though, because like, I'm like the left side's numb, the right side's numb. Uh, this is happening. Like, and like, I'm like, like, and every little thing I'm feeling, I'm like telling him like, it's, that's it's not right. And I remember having to sit on the bed and they, and sitting was the worst position for me to be in for contraction wise, because it was painful. Um, and so I'm like, you expect me to sit here and you're not going to do this. Like, and like between my contractions, you want me to sit here through my contractions. <laughs> and also it took him forever to get like set up. So I remember like sitting on the side of the bed, they raised the bed, like all the way up. And yeah. then they put a chair at my feet. Then I guess usually they make your significant other leave, but new nurse. So he got to stay. Um, so he had one side, the nurse had the other side and they were kind of like holding me almost. And I remember he wasn't doing anything yet. And I had a contraction. I didn't want to sit. So I literally stood up on this chair, which I know is a no, no. And I know it's like a liability, (laughs) but I'm like, just let me stay. She's like, she's like, no, you can't stand. And my husband's like, she can't stand. And she's like, no. So my husband's like, sit down. (laughs) Oh no. Oh, middle contraction. Ouch. Oh, oh my goodness. So they get me back down. He finally gets the epidural, whatever. It was, it was like, I could not have done it without that epidural, honestly. Like, there's no way. Um, they, so I lay down, they do all this stuff. And I'm, I like, am one to drink a lot. And I like my bladder fills. So I remember like constantly having to call and be like, I think I have to pee. And they're like, we were just in there. And I'm like, I, I have to pee. Um, and so they kept like having to come in and like cath me. And, um, then I remembered my water breaking because I'm like, Ooh, that felt like I just peed. And the nurse was like, Oh, I don't think your water broke. And I was like, mm, I'm pretty sure it did. Pretty sure. Pretty and then my friend, <laughs> the midwife came in like an hour or maybe two hours later. And she's like, where are we at? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I think she checked or did something. She like lifted the sheet or something and was like, did your water break? And I go, and I kind of like just glance at the nurse and I just looked at the midwife and I was like, I thought it did. And the midwife's like, she mentioned that probably like two hours ago. And I'm just like. Oh my gosh. One thing, you know, mamas can tell most of the time, you know. Yeah. If so it's then, just a little bit, then it's hard to tell. It but is. when it's your whole water breaking, yeah. mommy knows. And every time I moved, more would come out and, mm-hmm. and everything. So she was nice and got like a big towel to put between my legs because it's uncomfortable. It feels like you're just like wet and like, yeah. so she put the towel between my legs, which really helped. Mm-hmm. Um, and then middle of the night, I think I actually fell asleep. And middle of the night, my husband and I woke up to... I don't remember how it happened, but like four nurses in our room, all like clearly frantic Okay. and they're trying to move me and do stuff. And we're just like, what is happening? And they're like, 
talking about potentially needing a C-section and all this stuff and how they're concerned about um, the baby. And we're just like, what is happening? What is happening? Um, they were able to calm everything down. And what happened is his heart rate had like significantly dropped like into the 60s or 80s. I think it was 80s. Um, and then they like had it controlled. And it was, I think I had like moved in my sleep into a certain position. Um, and so when that happened... I went from like a wireless monitor because before I was like walking and stuff. So they transferred me to a, um, like the corded ones that hook you directly mm -hmm. to the machine. And then at 7am, the nurse we had the day before came back and she's been around for like okay, 20 some years. Fantastic nurse. Love her to death. She's amazing. She came in at like seven o'clock before seven o'clock. I think she was like switching. And so she was getting like, the rundown on like what happened last night and all the things. And she had came in and I remember watching her come in and she just turns and looks at the the fetal monitor. And it's like, how long has it been like that? And she's like, I just checked in and it was fine. And she by herself, remind you, it took at least four nurses the day before or like hours before by herself, literally flipped me onto my hands and knees and started like rubbing my belly to get like the contraction to like or like the tightness and stuff to like calm down in my belly okay. and she's getting like she's grabbing my call button that's on the bed and I remember like being on my hands and knees and watching all this happen and she's like pushing the call button and she's like I need an OR ready set up like we're probably we might need an emergency seat I need everyone on deck like and my husband and I are, like kind of looking at each other like I'm like looking through my arms and we're just like what is happening and then, like, everything comes down. She looks at the monitor, and she's like, okay, we're good. And, like, everyone had came in now, and she's like, I got it to calm down. We're good. We just need to keep an eye on this. And so I had went from the wireless monitor to the corded monitor to a fetal monitor. So they had – my midwife had to put the fetal monitor on him to make sure that they were getting a good read because his heart rate kept dropping, like, in the 80s. And so um, they did that. And then that happened another time happened one other time and they had to give me a shot. No, no words about what was happening. No asking if they could, nothing. They just, I'm on my hands and knees, boom, needle in my arm, that. It was supposed to stop the contractions. It did not stop the contract. I mean, it's calmed them down. It's supposed to stop them for like hours, like one to two hours, they said. My contractions started up again within 10 minutes. And so they came in and they're like, this can't be right. And I'm like, what can't be right? And they're like, you're having contractions. I'm like, why? Like, why is that bad? It's supposed to be good, right? So um, that nurse was in though. She was really nice. She helped me change positions like every 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. She was like talking through, like, she was great. But the situation was not great. Yeah. The midwife was even really good. Like she came in and we checked in and stuff like that. Long story short, we get to like... 7 30 p.m eight o'clock at night and they well actually they've tried to put pitocin in a couple times but each time they've done it his heart rate like dropped so they never actually got to it okay because they're like maybe you just need like this last little bit like a little help to get you there type of thing okay. um and i had a port because i actually was gbs positive with my first which was terrible um and so at like 7.30, 8 o'clock, I was – no, at, let's back up. At noon, I was dilated to 9 centimeters. Okay. So at noon, I'm dilated to 9 centimeters. 8 o'clock, I am still dilated to 9 centimeters. Okay. So they do Pitocin legitimately 
I don't even think it was two minutes after they put Pitocin in, I'm like hitting my call button. I'm like, something's wrong. Something is wrong. There's so much pain and so much, like this isn't like something is wrong. And I mean, she's like, like an epidural this whole time, right? But you could yeah. still feel pain. Yeah. I could still feel like the pressure of him, him, like his head. And like, I could just, I don't know. I could feel a lot, but okay. I could move a lot too. Okay. That, I was going to ask too how it was on your hands and knees with that, but early. I actually, I actually used a ball. I have a picture of me with a ball on my hands and knees and I hung out there for a good amount of time. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. And I rocked and like, she helped and like my husband helped. And, um, like I said, she was great with like getting positions and stuff. I just also like, I didn't know any of the things I know now. Like I didn't do knees in feet out or any, like any of that, like motion. It was just like very generic, I guess it was not purposeful. Um, so it's like 8 PM. She texts me. I'm still at nine centimeters, but now my cervix swelled. Okay. She's like, you've been, of course you've been there for so long. She's like, you've been sitting at nine centimeters for eight hours. Like your body probably was just like, I'm done. I was convinced that it was Pitocin. <laughs> I doubt it was, but I was convinced because I'm like, every time you guys try to give me Pitocin, my body was like, no, it's no. not happening. Um, and so she came in and she had like a heart to heart with me. And it was actually great because we talked about like pelvic floor stuff. And at this time, I wasn't even into pelvic floor stuff. Like I had an idea and I knew some things, but nothing to what I know now. Like okay. it was like minuscule to what I know now. But we were talking about that and how we treated at our clinic and how she's just impatient, like, you know, just all these things. And um, she's like, do you, so like your cervix is swelled. We like baby's not going to come. Like, even if you get to a 10, your cervix is like swollen. It's, it's, there's not enough room. So we can either give you this drug that may or may not work, or we can just take you to the OR. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I've been in labor for 34 hours. I was mm-hmm. at a nine for eight. And you want to give me a drug that probably is not going to work considering everything that's happened so far. I'm like, just take me. I'm done. I'm tapping out. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so done. By eight, ten, the doctor was in the, the room. His whole staff was in the room. My husband was getting gowned up. They had me gowned up. And I was in the OR by like 8.15. Wow. They told me that it would be a minute because he was in a, he was doing something and it it was not like he was in there immediately. Um, But he was the guy that like everybody told me if I wanted to have somebody, like if I wanted a doctor, I wanted him and stuff. So I was like, okay. And, and whatnot. So I ended up with a cesarean. I ended up with new nurses again. Um, and then they, tra- once they, you know, you have to be watched for a few hours and then you can go to like mommy baby floor or whatever they call it. And mm-hmm. they transferred me up there and this nurse wasn't new, but the girl who was transferring me to her was, and I'm allergic to naproxen, which is an NSAID and mm-hmm. it is an anti-inflammatory. However, naproxen and ibuprofen and other things are not the same thing. So just had a C-section. She's trying to figure out what medication she can give me to help with the pain. Although I'm not in pain because I still have like all the drugs going through me from the cesarean. Um, And then all they have me on is Tylenol. And she's like, I can't give you anything else because you're allergic to naproxen. And I'm like, I can have ibuprofen. And she's like, no, you can't. And I'm like, yes, I can. And she's like, no, you're allergic to naproxen. And I'm just like, I'm so tired. And I'm so frustrated Mm -hmm. that I'm just like, okay, I'm not fighting. And then... Yeah. And then she brought me into like the bathroom to like help me. 
she was not kind. (laughs) She was very forceful. She wasn't telling me what she wanted me to do. She wasn't telling me like what I needed to do. Um, I was like, I just walked out of the bathroom, like crying. Like I, and I couldn't like walk either. Like I just had a cesarean. Like I couldn't move. She wasn't helping me. She wasn't telling me what I needed to do. And then she tells me that they have to take my baby to go do testing. And I'm like, I want my husband or I want to go with him. And he, and she's like, you can't go with him. And I'm like, my OB office said that me or my husband get to go with him. So if I don't get to go with him, my husband does. And she's like, your husband can't go with him. And I'm like, I'm done. I have no fight in me left. Like I, so I let her take him and he comes back and she's like, your son might have a, like a condition with his heart. And I'm like, okay. And I'm calm. Like I do have an understanding of medical terminology and things like that. Like, and I'm like, so, and she's like, well, something was a little off on the EKG. We'll have to recheck it. And I'm like, okay, then we'll recheck it like in a few hours type of thing. And she's like, don't you know that like something can be wrong with your baby? And I'm like, I'm understanding you're telling me something is wrong with my baby, but you're not telling me that you know something is wrong with my baby. So I'm not going to freak out. Like there's nothing to freak out about yet. (sighs) It was terrible. And then my midwife came in the next morning, the one who I'd seen like throughout the whole time. And she was like, she like got mad at me (laughs) initially and was like, why are you only taking Tylenol? You just had a major surgery and like, and I'm like, Sarah, I love you, but it's not my fault. I was like, the nurse told me, I could not have it because I'm allergic to naproxen. And she goes, they're not the same thing. And I was like, I try to tell her that. And she's like, what nurse? And I was just like, she's gone. It was the night nurse. And she's just like, I swear. And I'm just like, I'm just sitting here like, okay. Like (laughs) it was still traumatic Mm because I just did not have good care after that. Um, So that was Sunday night that I gave birth at like 845. I didn't get up to the mom and baby till 1 a.m. And then Sarah came in Monday morning and then Tuesday I had a great nurse. I wanted to keep her. Um, but she was like, why hasn't anyone done this and this and that? And why aren't you walking the hall? Like she like literally spilled everything out for me. And I'm just like, no one told me. And also it's COVID mm-hmm. and I wasn't allowed to walk the hall in labor. So how am I allowed to work, walk the hall in the mother baby? She's like, you have to move. And I was like, I know that as like my background, but I don't know that I'm allowed to do that here. And it was just like one thing after another. Um, I had a doctor who was supposed to be like the baby doctor is what she called herself because our primary, like our pediatrician wasn't a part of that hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so like someone else had to check on him, especially because we were there for so long. And it was a resident, which I wish I would have just been like, you can leave and you can bring me back the actual doctor. But I'm very lenient and understanding because I've had to do rotations. I've had to work in a hospital. I've had my chance to learn and people have let me learn. But she walks in and the first thing out of her mouth was, so you had an abortion with your first baby or with your first pregnancy? I'm two days post baby. I am so hormonal and just bawling at anything and everything. And I'm just like, no, no, I had a miscarriage that did not resolve itself. And I was, they were worried I'd go septic because it was like four or five weeks later and my body hadn't done anything. And they tried medication and it didn't work. So they literally had to do an in-office without any drugs or anything and do a procedure. Oh, And she's like, do you know why you had a miscarriage? Do you know why? Because I don't. And they told me they didn't either. So if you know why, I'd love for you to tell me. (laughs) And why are you asking me about this now? Like, is it going to affect my care moving forward? Or are you just trying to break my heart in this moment? 
So that nurse was fantastic and she was trying to help me out of bed anyway so I could go to the bathroom because I hadn't been to the bathroom in probably 12 hours <laughs> and I didn't feel like I could get up anyway. So she's trying to help me up to use the bathroom. And so finally, like, and I'm like literally at the edge of the bed as she's asking me these questions. And she just looked at me. She's like, honey, you just go to the bathroom and take care of yourself. I'm going to watch over your baby and make sure that nothing, like make sure everything goes as it's supposed to. And my husband was there too, but he's like half asleep, oblivious to what's going on. So I go in the bathroom and I'm immediately just like tears, like had to collect myself, all the things. I came back out. Um, I think she was almost done with her, like whatever she was doing with Cal. And then she left and the nurse was just, she was so kind and she helped with nursing. No one else helped me nurse. Like I could, it would take me like an hour to get him to latch. Like no, everyone's like, oh, uh, it was terrible. It was terrible. Every time I needed a nurse, she's like, just call me and I'll come in here. And so I did. Mm-hmm. And it was so helpful. Um, but yeah, she helped me. She, my They had put my binder on wrong. They were supposed to take like the um, the cover off my incision. Like the, um, I'm blanking on words right now, but like the, the bandage off and they, mm-hmm. no one had done that yet. They were supposed to do like all these other things. And she's like, well, what is happening? Why is this not done? And so she came back later because she wanted me to walk the hall. She's like, I'll just come back and walk with you. Like, you can bring the baby. We'll push the baby. Whatever. Um, and I was having, like, significant nerve pain on my left side. Um, so I was, like, really nervous about that because, I like, I also knew the difference between nerve pain and surgical, like, that type of stuff, too. Um, so she's walking with me, and she's like, I just want to prepare you. That resident that's a baby doctor is going to have to come in again tomorrow. And she's going to do another like evaluation type of thing. She's like, I just want you to know. And then you could tell like, she was just like, she, they don't have good bedside manner. They're just not like, <laughs> all yeah. these so she was great. Um, we ended up going home Wednesday. They wanted me to stay another day. My husband and I were like, there's not a chance we're out. Good. But then Sunday rolls around. So that's Wednesday. Sunday rolls around. My mom's at my house and I'm not feeling well. I am not feeling well at all. Um, so my mom stays with the baby and my husband takes me to the hospital. And they, of course, have to run a COVID test and do all this other stuff. And they're like, I don't see anything that's wrong with you. You're going home. That's not true. You're dehydrated. You need to take better care of yourself. And your husband is going to take another week off of work. So, like, they wrote my husband a doctor's note to stay home longer. Um, mm-hmm. Cause he didn't have like paternity leave or anything like that. And his work was great. They're like, whatever you need, you need to take care of your family. So that was great. Um, but then she's like, I can't find anything that's wrong with you. So you are just going home. So I'm like, cool. So I went home and I was like, okay, like this is just what it's going to be. My temperature when I was there, I think was, I think it was still just like a 99. So they didn't think it was a temperature. However, I run it like a 97. So like a 99 for me is like, I, if I go higher than a 99, like it's, and people look at me like I'm crazy, but I've had mono, I've had appendicitis, I've had like all these other infections and my fever doesn't go past a 99. Like it doesn't, I'm sure it did as a kid, but like, since I've been aware of my like stuff, it has not. So I go to bed, it's like nine o'clock and I all of a sudden like, or I go to bed before, but I wake up and it's like nine o'clock and I'm like, I'm so sick. So I took my temperature again, and this time I took a picture of it because it was like 100.3. I was like, something is wrong. Like, I don't know what it is, but something is wrong. And so I call again. The same doctor's there, and she's like, just come in. I was like, can I bring my baby? And she's like, no. I'm like, you're telling me I can't bring my 
I lied. So that was Wednesday. This is Sunday, like the next week. So we're a week and a half away because he was two weeks old. So it wasn't five days. It was a week and a half. I'm like, you're telling me I can't bring my two week old baby. And she's like, no, COVID. My poor mom who hasn't had to take care of a newborn in how many years gets stuck staying with her. My husband takes me and we get there and they're like, where's the baby? But then they wouldn't let us go get him. Like, they wouldn't let us, like, or my mom drop him off or anything. So then they have to put me in an isolation room. And they can't actually do anything for me until they find out if I have COVID or not. And then they, and they were running all this blood work. Everything's negative. My cultures are negative. Like, nothing's showing anything. So we're in the hospital. And they decide that they're just going to do IV antibiotics. Because clearly I must have an infection. So they do IV antibiotics. Monday morning rolls around and immediately my husband's like, I want the charge nurse. Cause that's what they told us to ask for. So the charge nurse comes in and he's like, I want to bring my baby to the hospital. Like he's two weeks old. Like they should not be separated. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, that's the problem. I don't know why it wasn't accepted last night. And we're just like, so, and the first night we were there, great nurse, love her. She was really helpful. Um, the doctor came in, I think it was Tuesday. Monday or Tuesday, but I think it was Tuesday. And she's like, you had an infection in your placenta. So I'm just going to guess that that's what's happening is like something got missed when they took everything out. And, um, that's where we are. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. How they tested your placenta and didn't tell you. So I went back through because again, I am like, I get I don't work in a hospital, but I understand the medical profession. So I went back and I looked at like my discharge notes and like all my paperwork and everything. And I'm like flipping through and who reads these things? I'm sorry. I'm not like, it literally was like this big. And so I'm like flipping through trying to find like all this stuff and I'm reading it all. And I'm like, there it is. It was listed there, but no one said a word to me about it. No one said a word. So I was readmitted from Sunday night to Tuesday afternoon I had to call my doctor's office on Tuesday and be like, I want discharged. I feel fine. I need to be checked out. I need to go home. I need to be off these antibiotics. And they're like, we'll send whoever's on call into your your room as soon as we can. Within like 30 minutes, someone was in my room and she like went through everything with me, all the things. She's like, you're discharged. Like you're discharged. We just need to get your IV out and you can go home. I had a terrible nurse on Tuesday. I I just want to preface this. I have so much respect for nurses. However, this whole experience, I only had a few where I was like, bless your heart. This nurse on Tuesday wouldn't like, she put me on COVID isolation. I tested negative for COVID. She wouldn't let anyone in my room. She wouldn't let them bring me food. So like they made, she would had them drop the food off at her station. She brought it to me two hours later and it was cold, like freezing cold. Um, She was when she was like, well, you're on COVID isolation because of this. And I'm like, because of the symptoms you had when you came in. I go, what symptoms did I have when I came in? And she goes, well, what symptoms did you have? And I'm like, I didn't have any. I was like, I didn't even have a fever because it's not considered a fever because it was 99. And she's just like, "Mm." and I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, because she tried telling me I couldn't leave until I tested for COVID again. So I think that's when I called and then they discharged me. And then she came in like an hour, two hours later and was like, so what the doctors say? And I'm like, she discharged me. Can you get this out of my arm? We're ready to go home. And she's like, oh, you guys are really in a hurry to go home. We've just spent the last like week in a hospital, like not together, but over a two week period of time, we spent a week of that in the hospital with a newborn baby. So yes, we're ready to go home. Yes. 
And she's like, well, I need to run another IV bag. You know how long those IV bags take? I'm like, I am not sitting here while you run another IV bag when she discharged me and she gave me my prescription to take home. No, like I was so stern with her. My husband's like, if she does another thing, like we're out. Like, I don't know what I have to do, but we're out. So we finally get home and that was that. It was better. But then of course I had like repercussions from being on antibiotics for three days plus the like medication, like the doses that they like tamper you off of. So that was fun. That was Cal. Oh my gosh, Becca. That's a lot. It was a lot. That's a lot, a lot. lot. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I learned from it. Okay. So tell me, what did you learn from it? I educated myself significantly on birth options. (laughs) I actually, the one thing that the midwives did really nice to me too is in the hospital before I even had a C-section. The midwife who was with me like all weekend was like, if you get a C-section, like it's not the end. Like you can still work with us next. We can still do a VBAC with you. Like we will still support you. This isn't like us just shipping you off. Um, and then she also asked if she could be in the OR with us. So she like went into the OR with us and like okay. every single midwife had came into my room to check on me too. So it was really nice. Like that part of things was really nice. Um, so I just, I dove, I knew I was taking Trisha's VBAC course, like wasn't even pregnant, wasn't even thinking about being pregnant. And I'm like, I'm taking her course because I'm going to do the dang thing. And I'm going to like not have a situation I went through. <laughs> um, and then I was like, and I'm going to get a doula. I was like, I, it's going to happen. I'm going to figure out how to get one, where to go. It's happening. Yes. Um, and then I dove into pelvic floor shortly after. And then when mm-hmm. I became pregnant with Thea, I dove even further into the pregnancy side of pelvic floor, which you okay. get a, you get a glimpse of doing pelvic floor, but you really have to like take a niche to it and to be able to, to do pregnancy essentially, because it is different. Okay. okay. Um, so I did that and that was basically it, I think, okay. from that standpoint. Yeah, that's great. Those are great things to learn and change for your next birth. Um, I'm wondering if you could go back, is there anything you would have done differently um, in the first place? I would not have elected to be induced. Okay. I would not. And the biggest thing I learned was you can go 42 weeks and a lot of moms don't go at 40 weeks and some a lot more than you think go over 41. Right. And I like my mom's due date was all kinds of off and whatnot as well. Um, and I, like, I think she went late with me too, but they also never had her due date. Like she knew the same day she like conceived, like she could tell you the exact day. My, okay. my dad was military. He was home for 24 hours. Like <laughs> there's no questions about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and she also had like a traumatic birth experience too, but she was also like, she was very young. Um, so yeah, I would not be induced, okay. which is what I brought with me when I had Thea, I told my midwife, like first appointment, I asked her, one of the things I asked her was like, how long do you let moms go past their due date? And she goes, you need to let that mentality go. It's not how long we let you go. It is how long do you want to go and what is safe for you and your baby? And I was like, I love you. This is my place. That is awesome. I think that is such a great mindset shift um, from, cause that verbiage happens a lot. It's my doctor didn't let me do this or, 
you know, my nurse wouldn't let me or I wasn't allowed or, you know, those types of things. Yeah. And I think that's a verbiage that in the birth world in general should shift um, because moms have the power, you know, it's what the mom wants and what the mom can be educated. The mom can decide what's best for her, um, that she doesn't need permission for her own baby, you know? Yeah. Um, so my other question with that, um, is there anything that would have helped you understand that before this happened? So if someone had said, Becca, don't be induced, would you have gone along with that? Or, you know, what, what would that have looked yeah, like? As your I would have definitely asked like, why what's like, and I'm one of those people where you tell me something and I'm like, I'm like, Oh, let me look into it. You know? Um, and I looked into a lot of things like, and that's the thing too, was when I was with Cal, I was so prepared to have like a natural birth. So I was so mm-hmm. educated in that side of things that I didn't even look into like the a typical duration of pregnancy, why inductions are done, why an induction would be necessary opposed to not necessary. Um, I didn't do anything of that. And then I had like less than a week to prepare for what to expect during an induction. Okay. Um, and that's where I was like, Trisha needs you. Like I went to her page. I was like sending her messages, <laughs> like <laughs> all the things. Um, but if someone would have told me like, don't get induced, I'd be like, oh, why not? Cause I had a terrible experience and, um, I know a lot of people who have had terrible experiences. A lot of times it's like a 40% increased chance to have a C-section. I learned that, um, like I would have been like done. I can wait because I wasn't like antsy to have him necessarily. I mean, I was ready to meet him, but it wasn't like get this baby out, you know? And I wasn't miserable. Okay. Good. Okay. That's helpful. That makes sense. Um, okay. So now Let's go to your redemptive birth. Um, and do you remember when you found out you were pregnant with Thea? Yes. Okay. So again, we went through another loss. But this one wasn't as traumatic as the first in the physical aspect. Okay. It was more, it was a, it happened a lot sooner. Um, but it was still really hard. And I ended up with like a UTI as I miscarried. Oh, ouch. Um, And so it was, like, painful in that regard, I guess, but not nearly what, like, the procedure and everything was that I had to do before. Um, So I actually didn't think that we would get pregnant when we did because I was, like, it took us so long to get pregnant with Cal, like, between. Um, So I remember, if anyone uses the Flow app, it's great. Um, I remember using the Flow app. Okay. And I woke up. I, I told myself I would not take a test until, like, I was late. Um, that was just my mentality. It, I also was like, I don't need to waste money because if my period comes, we know. Um, so I woke up on a Wednesday morning because I had Wednesdays off. And I pulled my phone out. My husband was already gone. And instead of it saying, your period might start today, it said, you could be pregnant. You should take a test. And I was like, it never says that. It always says your period's expected. Like, Never says that. Yeah. So, and I don't keep tests in the house because I don't have self control. <laughs> uh huh. So I I take Cal and we run to the drugstore that is open because Myers like Meyer isn't even open at like 
like they changed their hours during like the COVID stuff. And this is still okay. 21 where like COVID's still going on. And so um, I take him like across town, not necessarily the best part of town, but, like place I try to avoid. But I'm like, I'm getting this test, gosh darn it. So I get a test. I can't take it because I already like peed that morning and it was like 15 minutes later. Mm-hmm. So we go to breakfast, which we always do on Wednesdays, him and I at this little diner and my grandpa was there. I think my mom was there, but like peace, like she left real early. So she wasn't there. And all of a sudden I was like, I really have to pee. And I had snuck like a test in like a bag. And so I was like, mm, I'm just going to go to the bathroom, take it real quick. Like then I'll know. I just have to know. I can't wait. I'm not, I'm an impatient person. If you know me impatient. And so I was like, grandpa, like here, hold, hold Cal for a minute. I got to use the bathroom. So I go and use the bathroom again, like immediately. Cause I'm like, shoot, I'm gonna have to sit in here for like three minutes waiting for this thing <laughs> to see if it's positive. And again, like I set it on the counter, I like do my business, wash my hands, whatnot. And I look at it and I'm like, I don't have to wait. It's positive. And I'm like, oh my God. And so then I go out there and I'm like trying to like call my face. I'm like, Cal, let's go. Um, and so I call like my provider immediately and I was like, Hey, I'm pregnant. Like we need to do the blood work because of my losses. We always did early blood work, which was also helpful to me. So immediately went to like the drive-thru line, did the blood work. And then I still like, didn't convince myself that it was like real until I had like the second blood work, like 48 hours later. Yes. So we did that and it was a Friday and my husband and I don't do a lot of things, but we went, ended up going like bowling with his friends that I didn't even know. So I'm like, all right, we're going bowling. I was like, I still have not gotten these test results back yet. And it had been like over 12 hours. And usually they come back within like three mm-hmm. to four. And so I'm like sitting there at the bowling alley at like nine o'clock at night, like, where is this result? And um, finally, like I got an alert on my phone and I was like, oh my gosh. And so I like nudged my husband. I'm like, you, you have to open this, even though he had no idea what he's looking for. Cause you know, you're looking for the race. So we like we open it and I look and it had do- it had more than doubled and so yeah. I'm just like we're pregnant. I was like we don't have an ultrasound yet. It's still super early, but like like we're there. Yeah. Um, so I remember that, and then I remember instantly being so upset with the provider that I had before. So they used to do blood tests like every like 48 hours. So I was supposed to go again on Sunday, which I believe I did, mm-hmm. and then I would have gone again like. Tuesday, Thursday, and could have had an ultrasound on Friday. Okay. Is how it would have worked. Because you have to have, like, you have to be over 10,000. Um, right. Your HCG levels have to be over 10,000. And so I was, like, doing the math, and I was, like, that would put me at Friday. And then we had an annual event with my family for, like, Christmas on that Saturday, which is okay. when I wanted to tell my grandma. And they're, like, okay, so you had your blood work. They call me Monday, and they're, like, you had your blood work on Friday and Sunday, and it all looks really good, so you'll do a repeat blood work on Sunday, and then you'll have your ultrasound probably, like, the following week. And I'm, like, hold up. We always do it this way. Yeah. Like, always. Like, why is this changing? Oh, it's policy. And I'm, like, you can't get me an ultrasound sooner. Like, you can't let me do blood work, like, on this day and then get me an ultrasound on this day. And she's, like, no, it's policy. I'm, like, okay. So I'm like, I'm just going to tell my grandma anyway, hope things are fine. If they weren't fine, we would tell her anyway. So we told her, we ended up getting the ultrasound. Cal ended up with like hand, foot, mouth when I was supposed to have the ultrasound. And I ended up getting sick from him, but not hand, foot, mouth. So like, we were worried about like me going and like being sick. <laughs> if they would still see me, I was like, I'm still going. Like, I need to know. Um, so we, I just went, Adam had to stay home with, uh, with Cal. Excuse me. Ultrasound was good. I was like, I told you it's a girl. I have that thing where like, if it's above 140, I'm like, it's a girl. 
it's happening. Cal was like super low initially. He was like 108, like his first ultrasound, like super low. Um, and then he always was like 130, like 136. So I'm like, that's my guess. I just have this hunch. Um, and then they do like the eight week video chat to like get acquainted with your nurse and stuff. And I remember her telling me I couldn't be with the midwives anymore. Um, and they were going to schedule me for a C-section. I instantly, I instantly was like, I talked to all three midwives while I was in the hospital after my cesarean. And they told me I could still be with midwives and I could have a VBAC. Sorry, we don't do that. It's it's, it's policy. I'm like, you're telling me I can't see a midwife and you're going to schedule me for a C-section. She's like, well, you're a little shy of two years. So we're going to have to. Because oh. my due date was June 25th. Okay. It was August 16th. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. And I'm like, just start crying because like everything I thought was going to be like, wasn't. And she's like, and I hated the hospital I, I delivered at and had birth. So I was like, I'm not going back there. So I'm like, you know what? I'll find a different provider. And she's like, well, you can try Like there's two hospitals in my area. She's like, you can try that one. And I'm like, no, like <laughs> I'm not going to do it. So I reached out to some people. My boss's wife had a VBAC after two cesareans and she was one of Trisha's like first VBAC mamas, like awesome. a part of that group, I think. And I like, cause I referred her to that. Cause she's like, I'm looking at doing a VBAC. I want to know if anyone has info. And I'm like, this is what I'm doing when we, whenever we get pregnant, like I'm, I'm already committed to buy this class and take this class. So like right. you should do it. So she did it. And then she, I was asking her like providers who supported a VBAC. And so U of M hospital is, uh, huge advocate for it so when I called it wasn't even a question of if I could have one it was like expected like are you trying for a VBAC like but that's what we have you down for and they put me with a midwife and like from day one we left the office for our first visit and my husband's jaw was on the floor he was like we got more information from that one visit than we did the entire pregnancy and postpartum with our first wow I'm like I know aren't you glad we switched and he's like they're amazing and I'm like yep this is where we're staying like (laughs) So really good experience with Thea. Um, I had a lot more like I had food poisoning with Thea. I had like we were talking about like the colds and stuff that you get when you're pregnant. And then I ended up with like TMJ with Thea. So it was a little bit more like rough on that side of things. But overall, pregnancy was good. I knew like I told my provider, I told my midwife immediately, like I'm going 42 weeks. Like I don't care what happens. I'm going 42 weeks not going to be induced before. And I want to talk about the induction process and things when we get there, because I still want to have this feedback, but I don't want to have the experience I had before. So, um, she was great. Uh, Thea was, I started having prodomal labor and I lost my mucus plug on Mm -hmm. Sunday. Her due date was the 25th. And I want to say it was like Sunday the 27th. Okay. So right after her due date. Right after her due date. And I had went golfing like a couple days before, which I feel like loosened a lot of things up. And like, it really helped my hip flexors. My hip flexors were super tight. Um, And then I had like, I literally had false labor Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Like it would last for like three to four hours. And then when I would get excited, it'd be like, psych, like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So I was texting my doula, all, of course, all these false things. And so finally Friday, um, and they don't have me on the schedule to see patients. Because I could give birth any time and I'm past my due date. So okay. I'm like almost twiddling my thumbs at work. <laughs> so I ended up going down to see my doula, which is like an hour away. And she's a massage therapist as well. 
Great. So she checked like my hip flexors and round ligament and things like that. And I was so restricted in my like mm-hmm. hip flexors, especially one side opposed to the other. Like we thought one side was good compared to the other. And then when she fixed that side, she's like, Ooh, this is not good. And so she did both, which is crazy. I should have thought of that. And that's also, I think why I kind of like emphasize doing that stuff preventatively, like towards the end of pregnancy too. Cause I stood up from the table and I instantly felt Thea just like, go. Like I felt her like just drop into my pelvis and I'm like, that's a lot of pressure. And she's like, that's good. I'll see you tomorrow. She's yeah. like, you're having this baby tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like I'm not getting my hopes up at this point. Um, so that was probably like 1 PM in the afternoon. We okay. went to, my grandma had Cal that night and we went to like a bonfire at a friend's house. I could not get comfortable. I was like, I need to go home and lay down. I have so much pressure in my pelvis. I'm so uncomfortable. I don't know what's going on. It's probably another false labor. Go to bed. So we come home, we go to bed, and then I start tracking my contractions in the middle of the night. And I woke up and I'm like, oh, they're still hours apart. But then I woke up and I'm like, these are happening every five minutes. And so then I'm like waiting and waiting. And then I text my doula and we had like a code now since I had like jinxed it so many times or I had talked about it so many times. So I sent that like code emoji like five times. And she's like, that's a lot of whatever it was. I'm like, I'm like, I think this is the real deal. And she's like, explain it to me. And I was like, well, it feels like Brex and Hicks, like the tightening. I was like, but then I have like that menstrual cramping and the menstrual cramping is coming like every five minutes. And she's like, that's contractions. And I was like, okay. And she's like, whatever you need to do, do it now. Let's start heading towards the hospital because the hospital was over an hour for us. Okay. Um, so I jumped in the shower and then I woke my husband up. It's my husband's birthday. (laughs) Oh, and it's 41 weeks exactly. Um, so I woke him up. I'm like, if you want to take a shower, now's your chance. Otherwise, grab your stuff and let's go. Um, so he's like, wait, seriously? Because we had so many, like, false yeah. things happening. So he took a shower, whatever. We're, we're going. We're in the car. And he's like, are you doing okay? I'm like, I'm fine. We're good. And then we get, like, 10 minutes out. And I'm just like, I'm not good. When are we going to be there? And he's like, on it. And so he, like, <laughs> you know probably goes too fast. And so we get to the hospital. And as soon as I step out of the car, I'm like, I don't think we need to go in the hospital right now. And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, I feel fine. I feel great. I just couldn't sit in that car any longer, I guess. Like the contractions were so intense in the car. Okay. <laughs> well, he's like, well, what do we do? And yes. I, was like, I, like, I don't know. I was like, do we just go in anyway? Like, <laughs> so we end up going in with my doula still on the way. So we go in, we go into triage. They're so short-staffed, so, so short-staffed. So they get me in there. I don't even know if they, I think they did check me. Cause I was like, you might as well just like, like, sure, go for it. And I was the same as I was on that Wednesday. And so I was like, okay. Oh, wow. So they, I can't remember like the order of it went, but basically they made a comment about how I wasn't like an act, like I wasn't really in active labor at the time. Like I could have conversations, I could stand, you know, I was having contractions, but not nearly what contractions are. And so they're like, they brought the midwife on call in and she's like, hmm, are we going to send you home? And in my head, I'm like, I live an hour plus away and I'm 41 weeks. Like, heck, you're sending me home. Like we're having this baby today. And I didn't say any of that, but I was just waiting to see like where the conversation was going. And she goes, how many weeks are you? Cause she hadn't even pulled up my chart or anything. And I was like, I'm 41 weeks today. 
And she's like, ooh, you're not going home. I was like, no, I live in Lansing and that's like an hour plus away. So I'm not going home. (laughs) She's Mm -hmm. like, no, you're not. So they were waiting for a room and for a nurse and all the things. So they're like, we'll keep your bags here. Why don't you just go walk? And downtown, like where U of M is, like there's a ton of stuff, which is why we knew we could go early anyway and just walk. So we start walking to a breakfast spot because you really think you can eat breakfast when you're in labor. And the contract, I couldn't make it like a hundred yards without stopping and like having a contraction. We ended up walking two miles. Whoa. We had breakfast, had breakfast. We're sitting there. My doula had met up with us. And as we're sitting there, all of a sudden I had like, apparently what she thought was like a really strong contraction compared to everything else I had. And she instantly was like, check. Can we have the check, please? We need to go. And like, clearly I'm super pregnant and I'm like, and like, you can tell I'm in labor yeah. in the restaurant. And I'm like, oh my gosh, people are probably going to stare. And I'm just like dreading the standing up because you know, when you're in labor and you like change positions and it intensifies everything. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, Phew. and she's like, you can do it. Just stand on up. So I like stood on up and like, she did the counter pressure on my hips and she's like, you good. Mm-hmm. And like after it passed, I was like, okay, let's go. Let's make it out of this place before I have another one. Yeah. So we like made it out and we literally had to stop like so often down this road. And they were like, my husband and her were taking turns and like letting me lean on them and doing the counter pressure. And we get back into the hospital and they're like, this is totally different from when you came in. They're like, let's get you a room. And so I'm Yay. like, that's great. Thanks. So they get us a room. I asked to sit on like a stability ball and sitting on the ball and I tell my husband, I'm like, they're asking me a million questions. Like, nothing is happening. Why don't you go get the stuff out of the car? That way we don't have to do it later and we don't have to worry about it. So he leaves. And all of a sudden, I felt like I felt the pop. That's all I can explain. All I felt was the pop. I didn't feel yeah. gush. I didn't feel water. I didn't feel anything. I felt the pop. And I looked at my doula like she would like she would know what I felt type of thing. But I looked <laughs> at her and I'm like, she's like, what? And I go, I think. And then I, like, grabbed the bed and, like, pulled myself to stand. And it was just like, and she's like. Got it. Let's go. <laughs> so she like helps me get undressed and puts me on the toilet. When she puts me on the toilet, I'm like, this is not going to work. I hate this position. And there was a tub right next to me. And I was like, I want hot water. I want to sit in that tub. I was like, I don't, I don't care what you guys are doing. I want that. And they hadn't put an IV in me yet, which they wanted to because all of the things they hadn't gotten a monitor on me yet because I'm a VBAC. So they want to make sure that they can monitor the baby. Didn't do that. And I'm not really letting them do that at this point. And so I get in the tub and she's trying to get the monitor, but she can't get Thea's heart rate. And Thea sat like the whole time. Her heart rate was always like, it was hard. Like you had to know where it was. It wasn't like in a typical, like she sat so scrunched that. Okay. Like she just, we thought she'd be seven pounds because she was so little, but really she just scrunched herself up and like made herself cozy down there because she was eight and a half pounds. (laughs) So again, the tub, my husband comes back and is like, what the heck happened? Like, there's like five people in the room now. The lights are all off. I'm in the bathroom, in the tub. And he's like, I was gone for five minutes. You told me nothing was going to happen. Um, I used the hot water in my belly. That helped so much, like during contractions. Like they gave me the sprayer and I just held that. Wow. I don't know how long I was in the tub for. They couldn't get an IV in me because apparently when I'm having something going on, I'm dehydrated. Which, if you know me, like, like I like this is a small water bottle for me. I usually have like giant ones, like all the time. So I was dehydrated. They couldn't find a vein in me. I'm usually the practice dummy for veins. So I'm like, what do you mean you can't find a vein? Like, I'm usually the one that people are like, oh, this is a good one. Like, you're not gonna miss. And I'm like, you can't find it. Um, 
I did not think about pain anything. And I did not mentally prepare myself for pain contractions. All I did was prepare myself to like advocate for a VBAC. Okay. And my doula and I didn't really sit down and like necessarily go through like, what are some things you should be doing and like this and that. Okay. Um, so I ended up, I went in there with the mentality of if I want an epidural, I'm going to get it. So I finally, like after a couple hours in the tub, I'm like, I want out and I want an epidural like now. They still had not found a vein. They had had like at least five people in there trying to find a vein in like different areas. Like they could not find one. Um, and now I'm like, contra- like I'm contracting consistently. Like I can't be still. Um, they're still trying to get the monitors on me. <laughs> okay. So they do end up getting an epidural and it took forever. I think the person who did the epidural was like a resident and they didn't tell me that. Okay. And she also, and part of the reason why I think she was too, is like she asked every single question imaginable and like made me like type of thing instead of just being like, which I get it. Like, especially if you're early on, like I get it, but she'd be like, I'll wait till this contraction's done. I'm like, no, if you wait till this contraction is done, I'm not going to get one at all. Like I'm going to have this baby. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, just keep talking. I can listen to you while I'm like dealing with this. And so they finally like answer all of her questions, but then she like, it took forever, forever. And I was not the nicest person. And I'm usually genuinely like, really understanding and super like it's okay and I was just like why where is it like (laughs) when I did get it and everything was good I was like I'm so sorry I'm so (laughs) sorry I promise you I'm not like a mean person and then the other anesthesiologist who I think was like her mentor was like honey you're having a girl it's about time you stop apologizing for things you don't need to apologize for and I was just like okay like it was actually really good advice it was (laughs) So I changed a ton of positions. I like, I didn't get stuck. I remember them checking me and I was like, if I'm not at like this, like, don't tell me, I don't want to know, like type of thing. I made it to an eight and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let's keep going. Then they checked again and I was a 10 and I just started crying, like crying. And they're like, so you can push. And I was like, I don't feel like I need to push. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. And I was still very mobile. Like, I think my – I never pushed the button to get more for the um, epidural. It was just, like, I I just didn't – I don't know. And so I could move, like, pretty significantly. And so initially they, like, have me on my back and, like, bring my legs up. And I'm like, no, I am not pushing like this. And I was kind of upset because I'm, like, looking at my doula and I'm like, aren't you, like, aren't you supposed to help me here? Like, that's not helping me. And then they're like, hold your breath and bear down. Like you're pooping. And I'm like, no, but I did because I didn't like, I had practiced my breathing and practiced like relaxing your pelvic floor and allowing things to happen. But when it came time to, I'm like, what do I do? Mm. Like I, and I, I even asked, like when I was at 10, I was like, how do I push? And my doula's like, and she's talking me through it, but she told me like, hold my breath and bear down. And I'm like, no. So I tried that. And I think I tried it for probably an hour, honestly. Wow. And then I was like, In something is wrong. Position. No, we changed positions all the time. Like we, I was constantly changing positions. Like I was like, this isn't happening. And then they would try to do like feet in, knees out. And I'm like, no, knees in, feet out. I know that much. Like knees in, feet out. And they were just kind of laughing at me and stuff. And I actually had my husband pull out. Like I had like a a course, a different course I had taken um, 
on my phone and I was like, pull it up. I want it out. I want you to show me all this, all the positions. And he's like, right now, I'm like, right now. And he's like, you're, you're like, you're pushing. What do you mean? I was like, just do it. So he's like getting my phone out and like going to this course and like the videos playing and I'm watching it in labor and stuff. And finally I like rolled, I was on my back and then I had my legs like almost in a deep squat type of thing. And they pulled the back up and then I held onto the bar in front of me. But before I held onto the bar, I was like, I need a minute. I need some time. I will let you know when I'm ready. And I just got into like a total zen, like started doing some breathing, like I knew how, all these things. And then I was like, I think I'm ready to push. And so I like grabbed the bar and I just like did one push and they're like, her head's there. And I was like, oh shoot, I'm doing it. This is it. (laughs) And so I completely did not listen to my body at all. So learn from my mistakes. And I pushed through everything. Like I didn't do my breathing. I didn't like, I kind of did the breathing, but I didn't listen to my contractions. I was just like, get her out. But the midwife wasn't even ready at that time. Like she was still trying to get ready while like her head was right there. Okay. And so I push her out, they get her, put her on my belly. Everything's great. Then they're like, you thought that was a seven pound baby? Like that baby's not seven pounds. Like, what do you mean? She's so little. They're like, no, that's a big baby. And I'm like, no, it's not. She was looking back at pictures. I'm like, she was so chunky. Like she was the chunkiest chunk. Like love her to death. But like she was. I love it. I love all the baby fat. So chunky. Um, Yeah. So she was eight and a half pounds. I did end up having almost a fourth degree tear because I did not listen to my body. And I could tell you the moment it happened, like I could feel it, but I thought it was the ring of fire that was happening. It was not like there was a difference. And, um, I told her she couldn't pull on my placenta. So she was kind of getting like annoyed because it was like there, but it wasn't like out yet. And this is like, like probably 45 minutes later. Oh, wow. She's like, I really need to get this out, like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, is it still attached or is it sitting there? Like, I don't want you to yank on it. And she's like, no, it's literally just, like, right here. And I was like, if it's right there and it's not attached, then go ahead and take it. And she's like, I I hemorrhaged. I did not know it. But she had told me, like, she was concerned because I had, like, a mild hemorrhage and she wanted to take care of it. I obviously required, like, extensive sutures and all Mm -hmm. the things. But they did a great job with it. I started pelvic floor immediately and I continue doing all of the things and I have no issues. So great. There's some, there's some pros to anyone who does have a tear. There's hope for you. Yes. But also learn from my mistakes and don't just push like nobody's business when your body's not ready. Right. And labor down. So you don't have to push as long. Yes. Because yeah. once I started breathing and pushing, I, it was five minutes, literally. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely if you can prevent it, then we should do that, you know, but if it's already happened, then we can still take care of it. You know, you don't have to live with any kind of symptoms from that. No. Um, so how long did you do physical therapy or pelvic floor after, how long did it take you to feel more normal? One, I think I had a really good knowledge of what to do. Because I started doing things before I even went to, like, my coworker is who I went to. Um, And I started doing things, like, immediately. Especially because I had a toddler to still pick up. And because Mm -hmm. I didn't have a cesarean, I could pick him up. Like, the recovery from a cesarean and a vaginal birth with a almost, like, I had a 3C tear. And the next, like, if I went through two other structures, it would have been a 4. So, like, I almost had a 4th degree tear. 
and not proud of it, but I feel like I should preface that. I would take that vaginal birth over that cesarean any day. The healing, the everything, like I would take that over it all, like any day. Um, I could pick my son up immediately. I could put him in his bed immediately. I could walk myself to the bathroom. Like we stayed, we wanted to go home Tuesday with my son's birth and we waited till Wednesday, even though they wanted us to stay longer because I could, I felt like I couldn't get myself up to use the bathroom. And I was scared Mm -hmm. that like, I wouldn't be able to do that on my own. Um, so I did a lot of things at home, like right after having her to help protect my like core and pelvic floor. So I did a lot of breathing and core engagement and things like that, like as I'm lifting and um, as I'm walking up the stairs and as I stand up from the couch, like all of the things that can cause pressure and um, increase your chances of like incontinence and prolapse and like having pain later on. I really was very mindful of that. Um, I also was terrified that I probably already had prolapse because I know so much about it and I had never had a vaginal birth that I didn't know if anything was normal. Like I didn't know if that was normal. Okay. So for like weeks, my friends had to like, listen to me go, Oh my gosh, this is prolapse. And I even called my boss's wife and was like, you've had two vaginal births. Can you please talk to me about what they feel like? Um, and she was great. We talked for like an hour. It was really helpful, but I ended up going to PT at four weeks because they check up, they did a really good job checking up with you at like three weeks. So I got sent immediately. And because I know every, I mean, you can get in quickly anyway with us. Um, and so I got in at four weeks, I went specifically to pelvic floor for four, from four weeks until like 10 weeks, I think. So it was like six weeks. I think it was like about six weeks. Um, and I went one to two times a week and then I transitioned to just orthopedic physical therapy. So just general core, glute, low back pain and strengthening. Um, because I swear the back pain I had following Thea was due to my epidural. Okay. It was, I've, I was a gymnast. I've had back pain for forever. Um, and that was different. And honestly, doing pelvic floor and then doing the ortho PT that I did I don't really have back pain anymore. Um, so yep. I think that was, a, I think that was a big part um, of things. I think pelvic floor was a big part of that too. Yeah. Um, and I did the ortho PT like once a week for, I think it might've been six weeks. I don't think it was even six weeks though. Okay. Um, and I just went in once a week and really I did that because it was so hard with two kids to do my exercises and stuff at home on my own. And also there was like some hands-on stuff that they did that I was like, I need that. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Great. So maybe um, six, maybe three months total. Yeah. I'd say. Because it was, it was about like, uh, yeah. So six weeks and six weeks-ish. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So she, you were having a small hemorrhage um, and did, was she able to relieve that easily? I have no idea. Because also okay. on my birth plan, I said, like, do not give me Pitocin. Like, okay. after birth. I was like, I don't want it. And then she's like, you're, like, hemorrhaging. Like, can I administer Pitocin? Like, I'm concerned about your bleeding. And I'm like, and I knew that was one of the things why you should have it. Right. And so I was like, yes, that's a logical thing. Yes. Like, I'm not going to, like... I don't need to harm myself by saying yeah. no to certain interventions. Um, so I did say yes to that. 
Um, yeah, it was just, it was that the recovery was interesting because I, we ended up upping my epidural, like as high as you possibly could when they did the stitches. Okay, great. So I couldn't move at all. Okay. Like I gave birth, being able to move, doing all the things. And then when they did that, I couldn't move at all. (laughs) Did you ask for that? Did you ask for the lower dose or you just had control? I, so I don't choose. I don't know if it was a lower dose or if you just have the control to give yourself more, like every right. 30 minutes, I think, or something, or every, like, it, I mean, it, you can't just keep pumping it up, so to speak. Like, right. we were waiting for them to come in. So, like, every time we got the, let it, like, the machine would let you, like, we upped it. So that way, when I had the stitches, I wouldn't really feel much. Um, and then also, they had to do, like, the lidocaine and stuff, like, injections right. so that they could do the stitching. But the stitching literally took, like, over an hour. Like, it was not, like, a quick process. It was, like, a solid hour. Like, I had Thea on my chest for probably almost two hours, like, Mm. before we even took her off and did the weighing and did all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And did you get to nurse and everything while she was doing that? Yes. Okay. She latched right away, which was also super nice because it was a lot harder with Cal. Okay. Good job, baby girl. Yeah. Um, okay. So what would you say was your favorite part of her birthday? Um, being able to birth her vaginally. Yay. I remember as soon as she came out, I said some choice words. I said, I flipping, not flipping, did it. <laughs> and everyone's like, woo, Thea's first words. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Just, I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, I love that. That is so awesome. I'm so glad you got to have that and have Really, I mean, how you said it is redemptive, you know? It's, yeah. It's exactly what you what you needed, what your heart needed, what your body needed. Um, and so that's awesome. Yeah, it was good. So looking back on her birthday, um, is there anything that you would do differently? Yes, I would do a home birth. Uh, I would do a home birth. Um, and I definitely feel like even in the like year and a half since having her, mm-hmm. the information and stuff I have, especially like pelvic floor related is like, I get what I had then was minuscule compared to what I have now. Yeah. So I feel like even just the more I keep doing things and stuff, like you're just continuously learning, you're continuously growing, you're getting different pe- like patients to work with. And just, uh, so I, part of me would have a third because I loved being pregnant and I would like to have like another do over with my birth, even though I had a very like good experience with her. Um, but also two is great. And I feel like our family's complete and that's like newborn with other children is very hard. (laughs) So I think we're done here. I think we're, (laughs) we're at the two. Um, but I would do, I would have loved to do a home birth. And I had even brought that up with my husband, with the first and he was like, we are not doing home birth. And I didn't do any like research or anything into it. So I was yeah. like, all right, just go with it. Yeah. Um, well, what I think is really cool that I learned really after becoming a doula is your midwives can bring Pitocin to your house. And yeah. They, there's a lot of things. If yeah. You're having a hemorrhage. They can still administer that at your house. They bring a suture kit to your home and they will stitch you up for an hour at your home, you know? So, um, so that 
was really the only complication you had in this delivery and your midwife still would have been able to handle that at your home. You wouldn't need to be in the hospital in order to handle that. So I I thought that was a really cool thing that I did not know previously. Um, You know, I guess I imagined they just showed up with a rebozo and that was it, you know, (laughs) so (laughs) I think that's a really great thing is they have medical supplies. (laughs) And how great is it to, like, not have to get in the car and go somewhere yeah. and be able to crawl into your own bed after? Yes. Like, you get all cleaned up, you whatever, and you get to crawl into your own bed. Yes. And you have all the food and things at your disposal. Like I'm ready to go. Thea was born at, like, 10.30-something at night, and they have to stay for 24 hours. And so by the time they – but they can't take – they can't do the 24-hour, like, newborn testing until it's 24 hours. Right. So literally they finished that and they sent us home at midnight because my husband was like, we're leaving tonight. And they looked at me and they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, listen, if you send us home in the morning, this guy is not a morning guy. Like, he is a night owl. He does better at night. Um, we're going home tonight. Like, our right. son is well taken care of. We have the house to ourselves. The dog was with my parents. Like, we're going home. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, we are going with the birth center this time. Um, and the only reason we're doing birth center over our home is because we have so many other kids. You know, they can't all go sleep somewhere else. They all have to yeah, sleep here. And so at the birth center, you know, or even last time at the hospital, that was like our uh, little bubble. That was the only time yes. it was just us. Yes. And then we got home, it was right back in the crazy. And so that's why we're doing a birth center. Um, really the main reason is so we can have a little bubble, you know. I love that. I love that. <laughs> okay. Um, I think the only other question I have for you, this is always one of my favorite questions. Um, if you have any advice for a pregnant mama, what would it be? There's no such thing as too much information. Even if you don't want to use it, there's no such thing as too much information and trust your instincts. Hmm. Do what you feel is going to be best, I guess, is what I would say. Yeah. No, there's so much I would say. But just that. And don't be hard on yourselves. Like, pregnant, new mama, like, no matter what, like, every stage is hard and different and wonderful. And so often, us as moms are just very hard on ourselves. So, I think that's, I don't know. I had like a good list of like some things I would share and then you asked me and I was like, it's gone. But I would say that like there's, you can pick and choose what information you want to use. And I'm not saying take like unsolicited advice, but like seek out what you think you want. You can have it and you can believe it. And like, I think mentally you need to be there too. Like you can't just, well, I might have an epidural or I might not. It's like, no, I'm going to do this. Because if you have that like shift, like I did, it's like, I'm done. Just give it to me. And if it wasn't for my doula, I was like, I would have, I'd, I'd tell you guys to take me to the OR. Like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my doula's like, you've got this. And I'm like, I know. But if it wasn't for you standing here right now, I'd, I'd, I'd just go to the OR. And she's like, you want to be able to pick up your son? I was like, I know. So. It's worth it. It's worth it. Is. it. Keep going. It wow. is. I love that. That is great, great advice. Is there anything else that you wanted to share that I didn't ask about? I talked way too long. <laughs> Not possible. You did great. You talked the perfect amount of time. 
So that is all I have to say. If anyone does have questions about pelvic floor or things like that, feel free to reach out. I love to help you with that. I think the baby's waking up. Oh, she never wakes up. She heard us talking about her. Yeah. That's what she has been included. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Well, thank you so much, Becca, for coming on today. I'm so Thanks grateful. You were so open and honest, and I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Emily. It's great. Yes, ma'am. If you are expecting and looking for birth education or birth doula, whether virtual or in person, please go to magnoliabirthlbk.com to view my options or contact me directly. If you would like to be a guest on Magnolia Birth Stories, just like Becca here, and share your story with us, I would love to have you. Please use the link below. Excuse me. Um, or go to magnoliabirthlbk.com slash podcast for additional information. Next week, we will most likely take the evening off for Thanksgiving. I hope everyone has a wonderful Thanksgiving. We usually host at my home. And so usually the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, I am running around getting everything ready and prepared. Um, and so I don't have anyone scheduled. I I do have a Thanksgiving baby myself um, who was born two days after Thanksgiving and every eight years, his birthday actually falls on Thanksgiving Day, which is super, super cool. So if I'm feeling up to it, I will jump on and share his birth story with you guys for my little Thanksgiving baby. Um, But if not, then we will skip next week. And on November 29th, we will have Jen, who will be sharing her three birth stories with us. So I can't wait to see you guys whenever that is, either next week or the week after. Hope you have a great night.